going welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the high button podcast i'm your host justin belanger what a weekend it was out in picto nova scotia uh incredible group of people we got to work with we uh we got great feedback yesterday and throughout the tournament as well of um the coverage and the highlight video and um, some of the other pieces of content that we put out on our social media and at the end of the day i think we just created timeless memories for the girls that uh played in the tournament the goal is for the coverage that we provide it's to make sure that 20, 30, 40 years down the road when these girls are women and have families of their own, that they're going to be able to show some of these games, some of these highlights to their kids, to their grandchildren's grandchildren. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> that's the point of what uh, we really do. It's a, There's a deeper meaning than just going there and filming and live streaming and highlighting and doing whatever. It's really about creating memories. Me and my buddies sit around the table here in the studio and we wish we had video that we could go back and look at us when we were 14 15 16 years old so to be able to create that stuff for for people in today's generation it's a special thing um and we don't take it lightly we take a big responsibility in it to to provide quality content so um you know to hear all the feedback from everyone in picto uh i apologize if i didn't get back to you i, I replied to most of the messages that that we got but uh i'll, I'll do my best here in the next couple of days to respond and uh and let you know that we appreciate it so once again thank you to the host committee um out there uh in picto and thank you to, to all the parents all the players the refs uh who, whoever was involved with the the u15 AAA. Uh, female Atlantic Championships. Uh, it meant the world to us what you guys were saying about us. So thank you very much. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Dalen McNamara. If you don't know who Dalen is, you probably have a pretty good golf game because this guy helps out people that, uh, well, let's just say he helps out people like me who uh, don't have the best golf swing, I guess you could say. He is the owner slash coach at Hole 9 Golf. They help out average golfers become subpar golfers, I guess you could say. Uh, we all need help uh, in the golf world. Even if you're a pro, it doesn't matter who you are. And uh, this individual comes highly recommended from a lot of people here in Atlantic Canada uh, when it comes to the game of golf and helping people improve. Um, I'm definitely one of those people in that category. I have a lot of friends who are in that category as well. So I thought it would be a good idea to invite him over, pick his brain, see what he has to say and how he started up a whole nine golf. I know a lot of people are interested in, in golf in the past two years with COVID hitting all you could do is golf so it's uh, it's blown up here in Nova Scotia Atlantic Canada however you want to look at it uh but yeah I'm excited to have him on it's going to be a great episode I'm Justin we're talking to Dalen it's going to be a great episode this is the high button podcast here we go you know what comes next all right Dalen dudes we are going gentlemen we're a month's golf season right here i know my golf game needs a lot of help i definitely know dudes does oh yeah that's um, nice. dylan i want to thank you for coming in and yeah. uh, and taking the time and talking to some amateur golfers because i know that uh, you know how to help the average guy and uh, i'm definitely here to uh, to pick your brain and i hope that you can shed some light on uh, our listeners and me as well so thank you for being here yeah man thanks for thanks for having me i'm i'm excited to to chat about what we do and uh you know, tell some stories. So, what do yeah. you what do you consider yourself first, an entrepreneur or a golfer? Just be a little bit. You got to be a little bit closer. Maybe like pull it. Uh, um, yeah, there you go. Honestly, I don't know. I don't really think about it like that. But I guess entrepreneur would be the <laughs> yeah. uh, the the thought process. I uh, I don't know. I kind of look at what I've created as more of a community than uh, business. Uh, it, it's a little bit different for us. We, I mean, all my staff are people who are part of my community. They kind of came to me. They they hung out at the studio, and then they kind of just gained the roles like by just being there. Uh, so it's kind of cool. Uh, it's a different type of business. Nobody really applied for their job. <laughs> it's just kind of been like, hey, I want to be a pro too. I'd like to coach. I want to help out. Let's do it. And I mean, the focus is really just kind of creating an environment for people to feel comfortable 
take away the old school method of golf where everything is super strict and gentleman like. I mean, we mm-hmm. we aren't degenerates by any means. Like we're very respectful on the course. We want to make sure everyone's enjoying themselves, but uh, we're not your guys that need to be super quiet in a lesson, and we would like to have fun out there. How many years ago did it start? Three years. Oh yeah, uh, we started in 2019. Um, we started out not as a coaching business. We were really just a social media that, uh, went around basically meeting people, networking, creating opportunities, doing photography on courses, sharing content from like our golf game or just photos of the course. We had drone footage, everything. We went everywhere pretty much just trying to gather as much golf stuff as we could. We were sharing people's posts. So if you were on the course, course and posted something, we we were searching in the like searches on Instagram trying to find that stuff. Yeah, and we'd share your stuff and just be like, "Here's high button at Penn Hills today, right?" Like uh, just sharing anybody doing anything in the golf community. It didn't matter how bad it was, how good it was, we shared it. Wicked. So yeah. what, what, what's your golf background? Have you been playing since you were a kid? Like, Not what, at all. What, what's your background in the um, sport? I started five years ago. Yeah. So this would be my sixth season. Um, buddy of mine that I worked with at the bank told me to come out with him. So I went out, we went out to Chester and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I think I hit eight tee shots off the first hole and, uh, I could tell he was like, this is going to be a long day. So I just picked up and threw it up by the green with him, And, uh, the rest of the day went like that. (laughs) It was was a struggle, but I, I had a great time. Um, like I have a military background. I served in Afghanistan back in uh, 2012 and um, after that I struggled a lot mental health um, so kind of got back to school went into finance and then pretty much met golf through through finance wow. and uh, it was huge for my mental health I found it was uh, a big help to be able to just be out for four hours no phone no technology no other people. Mm. Uh, the worst thing you have is an angry golfer slamming a golf club. So I thought I could handle that mentally and uh, kind of got addicted. Wow. Yeah. My old man was in uh, Afghanistan around that time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he had two tours over there. Nice. Um, in the mental health aspect, I think of COVID automatically two years ago, where the only thing you could really do in this province was golf. Yeah. Uh, I know it saved me from that aspect of just being stuck in this place and be like, yeah. I got to get out and do something. And that's how it saved. Not almost say like saved me. I didn't go to war, but yeah. it definitely allowed me to be a little bit more, oh, life's okay. You, you can hit a ball. You can get out in fresh air and yeah. be with your buddies. Like mm-hmm. It helped me in that sense. And I think it helps a lot of people. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, COVID, I mean, COVID boomed what we were doing. Like, uh, it was kind of funny because when that first wave hit and everybody was scared, um, we really didn't have anything to back down from because we were just sharing things on social media at that point. We really didn't run coaching platforms necessarily. We had the pros like Brad Curran and uh, Neil Ryan, Daryl Ladanius. They were all around the studio. But uh, when that all hit... We pretty much just created games, got local pros, um, pros from away. We had some LPGA got people, some European tour people share some stuff with us to share on our page to basically help the, the community uh, like practice from home. Mm. So we we're bit just trying to keep golf up and going for people who were stuck in their houses. And uh, honestly, it was fun. Like we were selling these training aids that we'd ship to people uh, for these like little putting games you can do from home and we had this whole like Facebook live group that we were doing <laughs> to kind of compete with each other. Um, it was pretty cool. We had people down in California joining in. Oh, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. To be able to have like a community of people that know how to golf or that are willing to learn how to golf must be the best thing. Even if it is online, it's just every time we're out with the boys, we're just doing something, having a group of people that want to golf or like I said, learn how to golf. There's no one in the group. That's I guess having a negative aspect towards the game. Everyone's willing to learn. It's an interesting it's just an interesting part of life that, that I learned about the game. It's it's cool. It was really negative. Yeah, and at, at any level too, like everyone can develop. Yeah, like, there's always learning to do. Um, I mean, I'm coaching the game and I'm learning all the time. Really? So yeah, interesting. Well, you talk about the first time you ever golfed and you said you know eight eight shots off the first tee. I want to know that one shot that got you hooked. To be honest, it wasn't my shot. No? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, one of my, so Kyle Gilbert was the guy I was out with uh, and his buddy Ryan, and we were on the par three, I think it was hole eight at Chester. Is that and, over the water, that one, the par uh, four? No, it's a par three. Um, Chester. 
not the one right on the water, but like it's elevated and you get the nice view of the Chester Basin, basically. Okay. Um, mm. Anyway, he chucked a dart. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> As we all do. I was do. nowhere near doing that during that <laughs> round. I might have hit one good shot and like it didn't work out. So um, it was a long day. And I was, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I borrowed a set of clubs from my buddies, uh, showed up at the course, had no golf balls in the bag. I assumed there would be Oof. some for some reason. So I get in the pro shop and I'm looking around and I mean, the main shelf in front of the desk was the Pro V1s and TP5s, and I didn't know any better, so I was like, oh, fuck, golf balls are expensive. Uh, so I bought, like, four packages of them. I was like, man, what an expensive day. <laughs> and I lost, like, every one of them. <laughs> that makes it even more expensive, right? If yeah. you get out of there with some of them, it's not so bad. But Yeah, no, I uh, I think I had three left at the end of the round, which was uh, they they went on the first hole in the next round. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, no, it was, uh, it was addicting. I got out with a few other buddies. Went out to Avon and found out that they have, like, a cheap membership that you can play Unlimited Golf for our age group. So I was like, well, I'm going to get that next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next year, I think I played 174 rounds. <laughs> I was out pretty much every day. Um, really fell in love with the game and started trying to score a lot better. So, yeah. 174 rounds. It's a lot of rounds. What, what, what do you think the most common mistake is, the people that you teach? What, what, what do you think it is what, what, with people? Um, I would definitely say, like, ground force like weight transfer there's a lot of um a lot of golfers have mistakes in their lower body and basically i mean if you're we're on wheelchairs right now basically like these computer chairs but if you're trying to push yourself in a certain direction and you're not using the ground properly the chair's not really going to move um golfers tend to try and create their swing with their upper body so if you tried to swing in a circle on a wheelchair with just your upper body you're not really going to rotate but if you use the ground, mm-hmm. you're going to spin with lots of power um, and you'll have more consistency behind it. I find a lot of golfers basically just throw their hands at the ball, try and deliver it. The feet don't move. The weight doesn't move. Um, and if it does move, the timing's really bad. So we basically begin almost every session. doesn't matter if you're a scratch golfer or um, like a beginner golfer. Somebody needs groundwork. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a professional golfer and I still work it. Like, that's the main drills I do. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the lower body work is key to basically coming through the swing with consistency. And lower body has a lot to do with core, I'm assuming. Like there would definitely be, yeah, the, the connection between pelvis and thorax. Yeah. Yeah. So if that connection separated, like, your power is lost. So uh, Dave Phillips, John Rom's coach, um, he's the guys we do all of our education through down in California. Okay. Um, him and Greg Rose, they basically create this education platform for coaches to learn about the biomechanics of the golf swing. There's all kinds of stuff. They have like medical departments, fitness departments. Uh, it's, it's pretty spectacular <laughs> stuff, but they, uh, they use 3d monitoring systems to basically identify efficiencies in the golf swing. And, uh, the pelvis thorax connection is key. So like they use this drill, they call it the plug in drill where you put two balls, one at the bottom of your hand, one at the top, and when you connect them from your uh, lower rib cage to your pelvis, you should keep it connected through the golf swing. And the majority of golfers will basically, while they're bent over, they'll just open up, and you'll see if you drew a line on them, they're dead straight through impact. I see what you're saying. So their uh, swing plane will steepen. And, I mean, God knows where the ball's going to go when you do that. Mostly a slice is what we'll see, but depending on the path coming through, if people can get their hands inside, you'll see a massive hook, some snap hooks. I, I really find the 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 slow mo app on an iPhone really helped me. Oddly enough, I get my buddy Good to time. put up a, put up a, me and dudes do it when we go. We mm-hmm. we look at each other's swings whenever. Like this was, I'll show you me yesterday, and you know it was a huge slice. It somehow you made sure, it onto you the sure fair. You expose yourself. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I, I I put this out on. You already described my whole golf game, so. Well, like, you know, like, just this yesterday, you know, I don't know how many drives I've had off the tee so far this year, probably under 40, but, like, just, like, being able to watch that and see how the ball goes left, I I, yeah. I don't know. It just, I, I'm a big, um, like, this whole podcast, these mics, everything, I've learned myself, and not to, like, put your, your profession down, but I, I always find watching myself, I'm just, I'm a visual learner, and to be able to watch myself and, and, and do that, it's helped me tremendously. And when it comes to what you do in helping other people, do you give other people a little bit of trust? You know, like, say things like, you know your own body. You know what kind of... You, you, it, I don't think people know their own body. You don't think? I agree no. with that. No, so we... Uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. 
and people don't know how they learn either. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. That that hmm. to me is one of the hardest parts of coaching is learning how someone learns. Yeah. Because everybody does it differently. But uh, we so we start every golfer with an assessment. So we, you come in, we go through a screening. That screening is to develop your range of motion. We are to learn about your range of motion. So I want to know how how much rotation you have with your shoulder, your wrists, your forearms, everything. By learning that, people are always like, oh, I can do this test. And then when you show them where they're actually at on camera, they're like, wow. Um, body awareness is not there for the majority of people. It's, for the it's, majority. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, like I, I seen this meme not that long ago, and it's like uh, your brain knows all of your body parts but will never tell you which one's hurting. You got to go to a doctor to figure that out. Well, it's the same <laughs> with the golf swing, right? Like you're – you know what a golf swing is supposed to look like, but you have no idea what, whether or not you're doing it. Um, and when you look at yourself on camera, you're always disappointed. It doesn't matter what level of golf you're at. <laughs> That's what I was just going to um, say. So I find, like, we go, so once we go through that range of motion, we go through every joint in the body, the stability joints, the mobility joints. And, I mean, the majority of people have had injuries, so they don't realize how much that injury has affected a different part of their body. Mm. So, I mean, if you have an ankle injury, your knee has likely been trying to stabilize your joints working properly because your ankle has been injured for so long. So now you're in your knee has taken some wear. So we have a, like a chiropractor we use on staff. So, uh, Dr. Andrew Martin, we basically refer to him, any injuries or any issues that might arise that creating a mobility problem that can't be fixed in the gym with Alex, I send to Dr. Martin and he'll, uh, he'll basically give me the go or, or the no, if, that's not going to move, mm. and uh, we'll develop the swing around it or with the new changes. Cool. It's, so uh, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so after the mobility assessment, we go into motor learning. So we want to learn the visualization, like your eye dominance, your depth perception, uh, your ability to see um, things near or close, everything. We get into your motor skills with these little blocks that we use that basically – help you see shapes it helps us understand whether or not you can see contours on the course uh how your motor learning is going to process things um then we go into your footwear testing so we'll actually check your foot like your shoe size your ankle mobility so i can find out whether or not you're in the right shoe um because like i said right ground force is huge and it's crazy how much it can actually affect a golf swing if you're in the wrong footwear Mm. Um, people tend to buy based on what they like the look of Mm. (laughs) versus what they need yeah that's Um, me me too I mean, chiropractors have been saying it forever, right? Like, you go and you go get your footwear tested for, um, you know, running shoes. You get fitted for them. And those people, you never hear a person not brag about those shoes. But nobody goes <laughs> and does it, right? <laughs> so it's like, we should all be doing that stuff. Uh, same with golf equipment. I mean, if you're, you guys all watch a lot of hockey. I mean, I've seen your feed. Um, imagine a hockey player wearing the wrong gear. Like, he's wearing a, a 12-year-old's. Um, chest protector and everything like I mean he's not protected out there it's true uh, imagine Sidney Crosby wearing like a 12 year old's clothing <laughs> right like it's you're not going to see that um, so when you look at golf people pick up these clubs off of Kijiji and they have no idea if they're suitable for them at all they could be cut down an inch they could be regular flex and you're swinging at 100 miles an hour yeah that shaft's not performing it's just sending the ball left when you think it's your swing <laughs> you're wondering what I'm doing and the, bo- the club can't <laughs> deliver through it um, so we see a lot of those errors. Um, so we go through the equipment after that, and then we do a swing analysis. So we have the golfer just kind of hit some balls, get the feeling of it indoors, because everybody goes through a weird phase indoors where they can't hit a ball for the first couple of swings. Yeah, whenever reason. I go up, I feel like I'm <laughs> going to hit the roof. Yeah, everyone's yeah. always like a little claustrophobic. Yeah. So we always give you like, you know, 20 swings, just, feel, just it out. feel the room, and then I'll set up the cameras while they're doing that. On the cameras, I'll bring them up on the projector and show them everything going on in their swing i show them the good habits the bad habits the things i want to keep the things i want to move how i want to move them it's a shit ton of information up front um a lot of golfers are sitting there going yep mm -hmm," because they don't even understand what we're saying half the time but it's more for the i want you to hear it once so that when we get into your session when i repeat the part we're fixing you are kind of familiar Hmm. and we're already starting to get breakthroughs into your mind so that the the learning is kind of there and then I'll kind of send them. So I was showing you the app. So we have this app that we send all our drills, everything we talk about. So after the first assessment, I send you like this little um, drill uh, routine that has like five or six drills for them to take home and basically like 
learn about the major things they need so they can kind of re- review it and have an idea of what we're going to start getting into. Okay. Uh, so they're not blindsided by like, I'm going to show up today and just kind of guess at what I'm trying to figure out. It's a little homework. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we were doing hour sessions before we're starting to move completely over to two hours because there's just not enough time in an hour to run through like a proper mm-hmm. training program. Um, you hate being rushed too. I mean, you don't especially in golf, in. especially in golf. That's it. Like, some people are slow too. Like you get a person in an hour that gets 30 shots off because they're nervous over every shot. So like their setup, the routine is very slow. Mm-hmm. So an hour kills that, you know what I mean? So, um, if I can get two hours out of it after the warm up and everything, I can kind of identify how slow they're going and start kind of maybe making new rules to the things. I'm going to put a timer on. I want the shot off in 40 seconds. Yeah. Uh, start pressuring them to move through their game a little bit quicker. Um, and then I take people on the course afterwards, too. Cool. Uh, do you find that, you know, you say sometimes people take, you know, everyone has a different speed of when they shoot. Do you find, like, the more time you take is the, the more it affects you? You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, if the longer, I find, like, I have some buddies that sit over the ball and they think about it for so long. Oh, definitely. Whether they're set up right or their front foot is angled enough or is this going to go left, is this going to go right? And said, for me, I just literally walk up. I put the club down, I get comfortable, and I swing, right? Because yeah. the less thought I have, I find the better I am for that. But do you find people that stand over longer? That That's a huge component. So part of, like uh, like I was describing, so when we have a, say, a two-hour session, you're going to come in, we're going to run you through some stretches, some golf stretches that are actually going to loosen up the golf parts of the body. From there, we move into a warm-up. That warm-up is designed around a bucket of balls. So if you go to a range, you get a bucket of balls, you know how to go through a proper warm-up that's going to loosen up your body and get you through the bag. After that, we go on to some drills. So we'll run you through four or five, maybe even seven. Like, it depends how the, how the session is going. Uh, I'll run you through a good amount of drills. Afterwards, I bring you on to this on-course training. So I'll put you in situations on the course. And we got to basically use the drills we just did to try and bring that out in your game. And then for the final bit of the session, we spend about three holes on the course. And at that point, it's this is ball contact focus only. I want you to forget about every drill we just did. Whatever translated, translates. Okay. After you practice, you know, you go out and you hit a thousand balls a week for the next six weeks. A lot of that is starting to come into your swing. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice after six weeks, it's there. It's not going to be there in one in a one hour session. It's not going to be there in a two hour sessions. Golfers are super unrealistic in their expectations yeah. for that. So, like, uh, if you're sitting there on the course, exactly what you're describing, like, overthinking over the ball, you're going to miss hit more frequently than ever, unless the habits are really the only thing that's keeping you from hitting or, like, to hit the ball. Like, beginner golfers, I find, need those swing thoughts because they can't hit a ball otherwise, especially if you didn't play any other sports. Yeah, that was my next Um, thing. Hockey players and baseball players always have good coordination, so they'll, they'll make contact early, but their contact is spraying. You know how like a yeah. basketball player before they hit, hit a oh I still got coffee left. You know how um, <laughs> a basketball player before they hit a free throw they have a little routine. You know yep. one two shoot. Do you believe that process should be the same thing as a golfer on the second shot on a par four when they're one fifty out? Same routine, one little little practice swing. Well, how do you? I think a routine's key. I think every, really? every golfer should have a strict routine of what they go through. Um, You'll notice that people, when they get out with their buddies and stuff, they'll start skipping the routine. But if you're, if you're a tournament player, yeah. you'll notice like almost every tournament good player points. puts together a good uh, routine. They'll, uh, I mean, it's it's super helpful to make sure that your checkpoints are met, but what, you can what, also stay out of your, like. What does a checkpoint mean? Um, so like, say, Ju- we'll use Justin Thomas for an example. You'll notice how oh. in his setup, he'll bring his hands back. And kind of matches shaft parallel to the ground, and he's checking his club face. Mm. That's him just kind of confirming the takeaway is going to feel nice and easy, um, and that sets him up for a perfect plane and transition, right? So he'll just bring his hands back, come back to set up. You'll also see like Matt Wolf for an example. Um, you you know everyone talks about how weird his swing is. Yeah, I mean his swing from transition down is the same as any other golfer. Um, I'm going to get my pitch and wedge right there and look at my club just right there to the left, the left. Yeah, right there you go. Yeah, it should be there. Keep going. Yeah, so uh, Matt Wolf in his takeaway, basically, he sets into impact position. Yeah. So I'm sure there's more detail than what I'm about to break down to you, but for him, that's a checkpoint for him to help get that feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, basically Justin Thomas will come back. He checks the club face, brings it back down. And normally, like, you'll – 
pick up on it if you're a coach anyway. Mm -hmm. He's trying to set his wrist into like a nice flat position from what I see anyway. He's feeling that the club's in the right place. His takeaways go on plane, and then he'll come back down to his checkpoint. You get those people that do the waggle as well, feeling the weight of the club head. That's like super key for for a golfer. Um, Titleist, my guy. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. That's only one club. He, he knew you liked Titleist. He bought <laughs> one. I'm a big Titleist. Guy. Is that why you said the pitching wedge? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, Titleist is uh, Titleist is key, man. They're best clubs in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I got a, I got a yeah. Scotty. I got a three wood on a Titleist. I gotta update my driver potentially, but. Yeah. But yeah, I love the title sprint as well. Update but that, but here's the here's the to rebuttal kind of my question. Let's say I do somewhat get a good routine on two great shots. I two great shots. Mm -hmm. I did that same routine. Then it's that third, fourth, fifth shot that aren't as good. And I'm like, God, oh, that routine that I just did is terrible. I'm almost in my head a little bit too much. Yeah, going 100%. into these shots. I mean, mm. people talk about consistency. If you have the consistency of the routine, it's going to start developing the consistency to the strikes as well. Okay. So if you start questioning the things that you're doing repeatedly, that's probably not the right things to question. Um, there's likely, you know, maybe one foot's above the other. You didn't choke down enough to come through the ball. A lot of people don't even pay attention to, the, like, the slope they're on. So um, yeah. it's very rare that you have a perfectly flat lie. So your ball could be half an inch above the ground, and it feels like it's flat, and you don't choke up that quarter of an inch to make up for it, and then you hit it fat. Well, you didn't analyze the situation. The routine's not going to okay. necessarily cause a problem there. And if your routine involves analyzing the situation, then you you solved another problem, right? Yeah. Um, like for myself, I'm kind of a weird golfer. When I go out there, I talk to myself a ton over the shots. Sometimes people hear me. I, I don't even realize <laughs> that I'm doing it out loud. But I'll walk up to a shot, and like as I'm approaching – I'm kind of going through like wind direction, looking at my lie, and I'm I'm talking to myself like ball above my feet. I'll go over in my head, um, you know, what are my options for a ball above my feet to keep a ball straight with the wind? Do I want to ride the wind? Do I want to play it against the wind? Um, am I in a flyer lie? Is the grass like set up for me to basically create more compression and the ball is going to launch out of there? <sighs> Um, so I, I go over that whole, whole process. Like you're being your own caddy. I'm basically being yeah. my own caddy. And if I have a caddy, I talk them through it and, uh, I kind of let them bring in some opinions too. Um, it's funny. Like, uh, Ken, like I, I like to take the junior, my juniors out for caddies. Okay. Um, so last year I was at Kenwell and I had, cool. uh, Lee Terrio on the bag. Shout out to Lee. Uh, Lee's, Lee's a little beauty, man. A little, little, <laughs> little gamer. Uh, Love that. we, uh, I was having a great round. I'm even par coming through into 17. Oh, that's my dream. And, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I'll never get there. I sent the ball left onto 18, and when you send it that way, there's, like, a little brook, and you're just like, yep, that's going to be a drop because you know it's going into the brook. I got lucky. It bounced over onto the other fairway, and when I got over there, Lee's like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know, man. I'm having a good round. The shots are working out. Let's try a rope hook. And he's like, no, you're not going to do this now. <laughs> Um, and he's like, just play it to the 150. Don't do this. And we're, we're going over the lie, whether or not I can pull it off. Ball's above my feet, which will normally help uh, a rope hook come out. And, uh, I mean, shout out to Brad Curran on this, too. Like, Brad's the one who taught me a lot of shaping. Um, but, uh, man, I pulled that shot off, and it was beautiful. Roped it around the trees, came up. I had, like, 20 yards from the green, oh. a little chip. And uh, <laughs> Lee looks at me, and he goes... What would you have done if it went in the brook? I was like, don't bring that yeah, up. Yeah, don't not bring now. Up. <laughs> we're not going into yeah. what ifs, yeah. especially in golf. Yeah, but we were we were laughing. It was a uh, it was a good like it was a great shot. And then I went and ruined the next tee shot and doubled eighteen. But <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter because uh, no, no one asks about that, right? No one asks about that. It's all yeah, about the no. rope. Uh, the rope hook was uh, the highlight of that round for sure. It was uh, it was a cool shot. For That's sure. awesome. Yeah, I needed like a hot, nice high flight because I was kind of stuck in the trees, so. I needed to low rise, turn around the trees, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah. Unbelievable. I have a question in regards to, because I am a very new golfer, and I use Wiggy a lot. You, you oh. brought up the videos and stuff. That's what I do. I'll take a video, and I'll send it to him. You know, yeah. It's like free lessons, right, from Wiggy. But you when you say ball above. You Wiggy any chance you can. Absolutely. Oh, we do. Absolutely. We do. We do, yeah, so he won't be listening. So, <laughs> um, Ball above the feet, this is I, – I, I feel like I know what you're talking about. Obviously, it's just up above the normal flat plane. Yeah. And you said choke up on the club. Uh, potentially. Like, that's one of your options. I mean, if you choke up because... Is mean, that just to come down through more because it's... Well, it's... I mean, if 
if you're sitting with the ball above your feet, right? Yeah. Um, so let's say your club is so long and you're on a flat lie, yep. your club's going to meet perfectly. But then the ball's above your feet, your club is now long. If you don't choke up, you're just going to hit the ground first. And a bunch of it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's options. You can move your ball position. You can adjust your stance so that you'll deliver through the club, through the ball properly. Um, Choking up is an option. Taking a different club and de-lofting it, like changing your dynamic loft. So you're going to actually angle the club uh, lower or higher, depending on what you're trying to pull off. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of different options. And then, I mean, the lie itself. So, like, are you in a little bit of a hole? Are you deep down? You want to take that into account for... For a lot of it i feel like there's just so many things to take oh, into account so you know much. this is what i find like when you get down to a lower level of golf this is really the stuff that you're learning now mm-hmm. versus your swing i mean everybody needs to keep putting in swing work to maintain the consistency that's what i was saying yesterday to jasper it's just you gotta swing may and april is a tough month for me tough month for everybody even like even pro golfers beginner golfers like we go from a winter season of hitting on perfect flat lies and simulators with no grass, no bad lie whatsoever, and then you go outside and you're in ball above your feet, one foot higher than the other. Everything's different. Wind, everything's different. No one plays sim golf with wind. No. no. I feel like that's a common thing that you hear from people that, that frequent simulators is, ah, you know, like so a lot of people f- feel like it translates into their game, but then you get the, you know, the real, real avid golfers that are like, this is just way different than the course. This is really good for my mechanics and, and to find out what I'm doing right and wrong and staying consistent. But when you get out on the course, it's a completely different ball game. It, it, it absolutely can be. I, I find like, people who play a lot of sim golf anyway, I think it's like a three-week to like ten-round adjustment for people to start really finding their group. Really? Again. Yeah. When, wow. Um, sorry, you go. Oh, go. go right wait, wait, the, I had a question about um, yeah, you're 30 minutes early before a tee time. I, I've heard people go, you should be on the putting green. You should be on the driving range. You should be chipping from the fringe. What's your thought process of, okay, you're 30 minutes early for your tee time. What should, what club should be out of the bag? What should you be working on? What, what what should be helping you get into the rhythm to get on the first tee box? Well, I mean, Tiger kind of covered this in the Masters. Like, it's a warm-up. Like, that's not your practice. That's so a, That's a warm-up. Okay. If, if you're going up for a round, you're not trying to get your – you're wrapping yourself in swing thoughts if you're there working on something. And then you're gonna get on the course wondering why the hell nothing's working out. If you're in swing thoughts on the course, you're 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 gonna forget stuff. Like uh, every golf drill, if you only work at golf drill, you're gonna ruin your swing in a different area. So like there's lower body mechanic swings. Like I like doing lead leg drill a ton. I find I early extend a lot, so I move my hips towards the ball in the golf swing, and then I slide towards the target. I'm trying to just rotate on my downswing and when i do that i don't put any weight on my back leg so i'm basically doing all my like flamingo swings basically i'm just rotating on one leg and then when i go into my actual swing i'm there transitioning into my front leg way too early so i have to limit the amount of drills i do on that and then i also have to work something to counter the things i'm losing by doing that drill so that's why like having a coach is great because you might be doing something great for your swing but now you're taking it in a full other direction um so so it's it's really nice to have that so like we i mean we have good understandings of what each drill is going to do to the rest of the swing so like sometimes i'll warn you like hey we're actually gonna hit the ball straight this week but next week i'm gonna demolish your swing you're gonna hate me next week feel free to tell me off when you go out the door (laughs) but you gotta come back the week after uh (laughs) you're just like the coach for hockey guy you go to the gym when you're a hockey guy all you want to do is chest and arms and then you just do legs uh come on coach yeah (laughs) 100 um but uh no it's been uh it's been cool because like you know, for a beginner golfer, we're spending mm-hmm. a lot more time on developing your swing. But for a, a good golfer, we're talking about those lies and stuff a lot more. We're hitting up the course and, and playing situational stuff, flighted shots under trees, threading needles, hitting club face control. It's not always like that. This is the misunderstanding I find golfers have with us. And they're like, oh, I've, I'm, I'm a 70s golfer. Like, I'm super nervous to take lessons because, like, I don't want you to break down my swing. And, like, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we don't even touch the swing. We're like, this is efficient. You're repeating it. Why touch it? Let's just tweak a little bit to repeat it more. I like that. Um, and sometimes that's as simple as, like, let's just put a drill that brings out your best qualities more. Yeah. Instead of let's change something, it's like these qualities are what's creating your consistency. Let's make sure they never leave your swing. Um, and then let's hit the course a ton. Let's do, you know, wedge work. 
Let's teach you how to spin the wedges a little bit more. Let's teach you how to never miss out of bunkers, how to trust your distance bunkers. controls. Um, mostly like training. I mean, you go to hockey. You guys all played hockey? Yeah. Did you play hockey, Liam? Okay. Yeah, so if, if Okay. So if you're playing hockey growing up and you're you're going to, you know, you got a coach for the team, how often is he fixing how you skate? Uh, it depends what level you're at. At the, you know what I mean. There, there's like private coaches for skating. He's, he's doing it the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean. I like, guess in the drills too. When you think about it, right? Like you do your circles at the beginning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you do your crossovers on the uh, on the red line, blue lines, all these different things. That's the coach actually fixing how you skate and building you more awareness of how you're skating. When you go to camps, like like elite camps, that's when you're really going to have someone point out the little flaws. Like, you know, you're not bending mm -hmm. your knees enough here to get the angles down to create nice to wide turns. Um, when you're breaking, you're not stabilizing, all those things, right? So, uh, I don't know. If I stand up, can you see my feet if I showed you guys something? Nah. No. Okay, so I'll use my hands. Okay. <laughs> so, basically, golfers, for some reason, just like hockey. Hold if, up, maybe. Uh, like right, right here? there? Right good there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah good there? So... In hockey, if you were standing on a red line and somebody told you to race to the other side, right, you're going to ground your feet to be able to push off them. Mm -hmm. In golf, when people go into their backswings, for some reason they do this. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to send the ball that way. So <laughs> where's the stability there? The right? visual is, is hilarious when you say it, you know? It's so common. Like, it's funny. You pay attention. Like, go out golfing this season and watch how many people on their back foot that the middle of their front back foot will come up. Almost every beginner golfer loses their stability on the outside because they're cry trying to create depth in their rotation. So they take the loss of stability in their swing and then everything changes on the downswing. It's like they're going to have a reset where it adjusts. Then they're driving through the ball. They're topping it 50 times. And they're like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, well, just stand on your feet mm -hmm. properly. Um, I have and, an issue with my front toe coming up, or my back heel, my front toe. So, yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily something that's going to change consistency, but it'll lose power in some senses, um, depending on, I mean, there's there's huge arguments around that, whether or not it's good or bad. I don't necessarily think it's awful, but there's uh, timing on the downswing of being able to drive that lead heel down. If it doesn't get down early enough, you're going to change the timing of your swing. Mm. and it can hurt the sequence. But, like, long drivers do it. They'll bring yeah. that foot up, and then they'll pound the ball 400 yards, right? Mm. So I wouldn't uh, necessarily say it's awful, but it comes down to how much you can rotate. If you don't have any hip mobility, mm. I'm going to probably like, raise your foot. Mm. Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask you. In, in a sense where, like, I know I know Wiggy specifically, and I'll use him just because I know, and he's been, you know, beat up over the years, and I know he mentioned a couple things about how you guys were testing him, and yeah. and his mobility probably isn't the greatest due to, like, injuries and flexibilities and stuff like that. So if you don't have that full flexibility in that swing, what's something that you can do to compensate for that, or do you just try to work that into their game now? Um, I mean, there's there's a ton of remedies. Like, there's, there's ways around everything. Um you know, a lot of people's bodies want to do something different than they want. Like, you get a lot of golfers who come in and they want to hit a draw. They specifically, like, you know, the mind understands a draw a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, or they want to hit a fade and their body doesn't want to hit a fade. So, like, we have to make them understand that. Like, a lot of people, for an example, um, if you're right eye dominant and you're a right-handed golfer, if, in your, if you don't have cervical rotation, like, if you can't turn your neck and touch your collarbone, um, you're going to take a hit there big time. So, yeah. like, as you rotate into the backswing, the head's going to want to go. Your eye now can't see the ball because your nose is blocking it. And golfers are wondering why they're topping and missing the ball. Well, for wow. your, you time the backswing, it's like two and a half seconds. Um, in that two and a half seconds, your eyes are off the ball for one and three-quarter seconds. How are you supposed to make That's contact? too much, though, right? You're, you're moving a golf club 100 miles an hour and you have a fraction of a second to get your eye on the ball, how are you supposed to hit that? <laughs> Even yeah. in baseball, you know, you got, mm -hmm. you got that full second to see the ball coming down to you. You don't get that in golf if, you're, if you move your head. Yeah, it's true. I never uh, thought of it like that. Um, so golfers do that, and, like, we see it all the time. Um, I see a lot of golfers. But if you open them up, now this guy just hit nothing but draws, and you're going to open them up, which is going to set up for a fade more. Um even if he moves his head back, he can see the ball. Yeah. 
and now he's hitting fades with no stress and never missing the ball. Yeah. I see. So if you open up the front foot, like for as a lefty, if you were losing sight there, you open up a bit. Now Is when this you guy come trying back. to get free lessons. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I am just, I am just so bad, and I'm trying to like paint a picture for the average beginner golfer yeah. right because a lot of this stuff it might as well be in japanese for some of it right just a the terminology of, a lot of it is so um <laughs> chirp I, me i mean in my in my opinion there's uh i don't know i think there's probably three key components that golfers need to start striking the ball better um i think the lower body movement is key there's like more advanced levels of lower body movement but if you can get like a more general weight transfer and understanding of early extension, golfers will tend to strike the ball better right away. Okay. Like people who never played sports will come in and they want to try because their husbands or somebody brought them into the game. And it's like just we'll move them through a couple of drills, get to that motion, and then all of a sudden they're hitting their 8-iron 100 yards and they're like, What's going on here? Like, yeah. why couldn't I do this before? What? And they don't even feel a major difference mm -hmm. because this feels natural. Like, it's the same as hockey. Rounding your weight on the inside of your foot, that's a natural movement. That's something the body norm like normally does. When you get into advanced movements like shallowing and stuff, those aren't movements your body wants. I mean, we're all sitting here. Every one of our shoulders are like this. Yeah. Our shoulders are permanently basically in what we call internal rotation so the flying elbow like you want in baseball but in golf we want an external elbow when are you ever doing anything like this in your life very rarely that's a super uncomfortable movement for the body so when you start teaching shallowing and getting people in those positions people struggle that's that's where the big struggle of advanced golf gets mm. is moving from over the top to a shallow yeah. um, but i mean you look back at my my videos on my feed I joined the PGA over the top. There's lots of golfers over the top that hit the ball very well. Um, the majority of PGA Tour athletes, you'll rarely see it. Like, it's not very common there. But, I mean, these guys, they didn't always have the money, but, like, they went through college programs. They went through coaching their whole lives. There's some guys like Bubba Watson pulled it off without it. But, uh, I mean, look at Bubba Watson's swing. Yeah, so unique, unique yeah. right? Like, <laughs> this guy is just naturally talented with a crazy good understanding of the game. And he figured out a way. He figured out a way to be one of the best golfers of all time. There's always going to be exceptions. <clears throat> of course. When it comes to the, the generic or like general public, you're, you're looking for efficiencies versus um, similarities. So uh, you're talking about that range of motion. We teach around it for the most part. There's nobody, like, I've had one person ever have a full screening where they passed every mobility and stability test mm. um <laughs> outside of that like there's always five or six fails not fails but like areas for improvement and um it's going to affect the golf swing so we all we're constantly working around something and we will never touch a swing or give advice until we've seen that screening um so that we can understand really truly what's going on with it i like so, that so you're giving advice with with actual you know analytics and True facts of exactly. what your body's capable yeah. of. And, like, you know, no standalone test is going to give you dead-on facts, but, like, the majority of the tests kind of work in with each other. And, I mean, for an example, you have a golfer who has S-posture, so, like, a little curve in the bottom of their spine towards their butt. They might set up to the golf ball and have a perfect neutral back. But where their natural tendency or, like, natural posture is S-posture that S posture is likely to come out in the swing. Mm -hmm. So when you get a golf coach who looks at a golfer and sees, hey, yeah, they got great, great setup, good posture. And then he goes into the backswing and they're wondering why their spine's arching. Well, their body natural makeup is to arch. Yeah. So this is what feels comfortable. So trying to change that is a pelvic movement. Not no drills are going to fix that. So you got to send them to the gym. Someone like Alex, our, our personal trainer, he runs all of our golf fitness programs he understands this stuff and it's, I mean, he's a guru in it. He, he, I had so many limitations. I'm still working my way down to, to fixing all my limitations, but like my body has changed significantly in mobility and stability and understanding it just from basically him running me through the movements. Um, and they're long lasting. So like his programs are, he won't sell like a short program because we don't believe in it that basically it's like, a waste of time yeah if you're gonna diet for six weeks are you really gonna lose a long term <laughs> you know or like gain long term not a chance no, but if, if you build a program that's gonna you know 
help golfers see the value and it's going to change long-term effects enough time that you know like metabolisms are going to change the body's going to actually have long-term gains that don't just change overnight um it stays with golfers a lot longer and ideally you want to keep it up but we get a lot of golfers that'll fall off you know other life gets in the way we hope that doesn't happen and we try and influence them to to stick to the plan mm -hmm. but uh I mean, we see huge gains, like in speed gains, big time. We're known for kind of being the speed guys around here. Like we like swinging hard. <laughs> um, we're constantly doing speed sessions in the studio, trying to break higher numbers like DeChambeau. Um, and uh, I mean, you look at the statistics, there's strokes gained in, in distance. Yeah. So we, we take that as an advantage. Um, so we're constantly trying to swing harder so that our natural speeds. So like when we hit the course, we're not like just swinging out of her shoes it's like when i sing my stock swing it's now three or four miles an hour faster than it was last year awesome yeah i wanted to talk about tournament play for a second in the mindset that you have to have the difference between just playing with your buddies and tournament play first question how long does it take like a tournament like you know average when you're playing for fun it's like four hours but tournament play you know you're taking that extra minute to look at your putt you're taking that extra minute to uh, mm -hmm. analyze things how long does like a, to like a you know 18 holes during a tournament take um i mean it depends if it's divisional it can take a long time. Yeah. Because uh, then you get your beginners who are really struggling with that aspect. Um, or like the high handicappers. But for the most part, I mean, I've seen in tournaments people get called on slow play here around here. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, <clears throat> I'd, I'd say somewhere between four and a half to five hours okay. is, is a good, uh, good range because you really want to give people the true time of each hole in that and give them. No one's really angry if you're, you know, when it's your turn, if you're going through your process. But if it's your turn and you're not paying attention, um, that can be pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Like, um, I mean, not to pick on him, but uh, a guy I played with on when we played McKenzie Tour in PEI last year, it was, I'm waiting in the bunker for my shot. I'm, like, ready to hit, and I wanted to hit because, like, I was in the zone on the shot. Mm. And it's not my turn, and I'm looking at the other guy, and he's just smoking a cigar, talking to his caddy, and I'm like, you're going to hit your shot. And, like, Corey, one of the pros that worked for me, um, he was caddying for me, and he's like, man, this is brutal. And I was like, I just want to hit. And he's like, you should just hit. And I was like, well, I don't want <laughs> to. I want to do that and be that guy. We only had a few holes left. And, like, you know, the guy's been pretty nice through the whole round. He was really friendly, but, like. I'm sitting there so irritated because, like, I'm focused, and then I hit a bad shot because, uh. like, afterwards, like, but that's my fault for not staying in my mental zone and focusing on him. Mm. Um, but that can be brutal. Like, it, it can definitely affect golfers when you're watching other people be slow. Well, when I ever just have a bad shot playing with my buddies, I always, for some reason, not always, but every now and then I translate, what if I just missed that shot during a tournament? I'd be ten times more upset. If it makes you feel better, I topped my first shot at on the PGA Tour Canada. That makes me feel, I feel, <laughs> I feel great. Like, it's not a, it's not a thing I love bragging about because it's not a brag whatsoever. It's really, uh, it was awful. Uh, I felt like an absolute idiot, but, uh, I mean, it happens. Like, I didn't play well in that event at all. I've, I had a good tournament season going for me, uh, that year up until that event. And, uh, I mean, that one rattled me. I think I went in with way too high of expectations of myself and, the, it beat me up. Do you think your mental strength has uh, approved? Uh, uh, you know, do you think that you're more mentally tougher now than you were before you first started playing golf? Uh, I think I think so. Um, I mean, the good thing about me playing golf was, like I said, you know, it was a mental health help fix for me. So mm -hmm. when I'm on the golf course, I'm not very angry at all. Like I'm, I don't really, you won't see me frustrated on a golf course. Nice. Um, it's my happy place. So for me, I find if I'm starting to get angry at it, then I've lost the enjoyment that I yeah. I built off of it. So like I try and laugh off some bad shots and like just kind of hope I can recover them and try and believe in the next step. But uh, I mean, I've had some moments where I'm like definitely getting beat up. Like the McKenzie tour, I was getting beat up out <laughs> there. I, I couldn't stop hitting it into penalty areas. I didn't know what was going on. Mental. Um, we have like, we have an affiliation with uh, Tailored Mindset, so he's a sports psychologist locally. Well, mental performance consultant. Uh, his major or his PhD is in sports psychology, and anyway, he uh, he's awesome. Like the stuff I learned from him is incredible. I get to watch him work with our juniors 
work with other people, and it gives me good insight on my game too. Um, he's a hell of a golfer, beats me every time we play a match, and uh, he, uh, like when we go on the course, I, I learn a lot from basically what he's been teaching. It helps me stay in the zone. Um, but when it comes to tournaments, like, I don't know, I try and just go out there and really enjoy it. Um, last year I had Austin, one of our other coaches, caddy for me at Stanhope, and I was, like, injured going into the tournament. I couldn't even, like, bend down to grab my ball. Um, he don't like, we were debating withdrawing, and I was like, now nah, you know what, I'll tough it out. We'll see what comes out of the swing. I normally hit, like, a stock draw, and I was hitting these, like, massive slices the whole tournament. Um, I was, like, four over on the first four holes, came back to, like, I think I was two over on the day to finish. Um, trying to figure out how to play golf with a slice. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I was like, just adjust the, the, me I was too. Like, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna game it. I'm gonna figure this out. And then uh, the next day, I went out, had a really good round going. Um, and Austin like commented on me, like after nine holes of the second day, and he's like, you know what, I have to, I have to tell you, like it's really cool to see you, just like having fun. He's like, you're not out here like what I would expect, like in the nerves and whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, I was pushing a good round to go under par, and uh, then the nerves hit. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, met, like, I missed, I, like, a 12-foot pot, and I was like, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> but, like, I left it, like, six feet short. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. You're halfway halfway there, it's though. falling apart, yeah. Could, yeah, halfway there, the next one, <laughs> yeah. the next one missed, too. So it was uh, – when the nerves hit, man, like, they're, you're a different person. Yeah. Especially uh, in golf when it's just you. Like, it's your it's performance. Take a piss quick, oh, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got what did you got to piss? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um that had me squirrel too. Um that was one thing actually. It's one thing I always admire and it's funny because like I said I'm new, but I get frustrated in myself just because I'm very intercompetitive. Um but I always had an admiration for the guys that are much better than me, which is mostly everybody, but they're able to stay calm and like for I always go back to Wiggy and he, you know, I'll hit a shot that's terrible and I kind of get frustrated and then he might hit one that's not what he thought. And then he's just like, ah, you know, like he doesn't really care. And it's the guys that are able to do it with enjoyment, like you said. Well, a big factor of that, and like this is what I believe for is good advice for you as a beginner, is if you pay more attention to their decisions than their shots, you'll learn more. Okay. Um, like Wiggy is not hitting a driver when there's not enough room for a driver to land. Yeah. Um, but you'll pull that driver every time because it's a par four. Or Sometimes par, par threes I pull it out. <laughs> you know Seriously. I mean? But it's it's not statistically helping you. So mm-hmm. when he misses, his ball's in play. True. Like it's a we, good miss. We get a lot, yeah. And But it's because he planned for that. He planned for the, the club he chose if he misses. Unless he has a royally bad miss, he's likely in play. So True. his club selection plays around good decisions. Um most lower golfers do that and then you get the beginner golfers who are just sending the big club because they want the distance mm-hmm. and in their opinion it's funny because like wedges are sometimes the hardest clubs to hit and in, in most beginner golfers terms it's like let me send a driver and try and hit a wedge but they're better with their seven iron because that's the only club they practice with that's funny you say that because that's my best club that's <laughs> funny know, that you said but that. you'll never hit a ball to your seven iron distance no uh, it doesn't make sense but like if you think about it like I mean, I'll use you for an example. What's your seven iron go? Probably 155? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so if you're hitting a 155 club, but you're playing men's whites, majority of your holes are 300 to 340. Um, so if you're hitting a like 300-yard hole, you can hit your seven iron twice. That's true. But and you're going to rip driver and put it OB. That's what I was just going to say. That's because the seven goes shorter, but it goes, so I find for me personally, it goes straighter. Now, I, I'm yeah. a big slicer with my drive, but like you said, you want to bring out the big daddy boomstick. You want does. the distance. But what's the point of hitting it 230 yards this way and then another 100 yards left when you can just go gain the yardage Driver's straight? Driver is one of the, uh, the funniest, like, unrealistic expectations for people. When we teach in the studio, like, I'll get people who come in and they're like, Man, I can't hit a driver for the life of me. And then I'll I'll get them to hit their driver, and you know they got a thirty yard dispersion, and I'm like, PJ Tour average is sixty yard dispersion, and you just hit ten balls inside thirty yards, and you're complaining. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand the problem. Obviously, there's still swing mechanics. Like mm-hmm. as a coach, you'll point you'll find those, but that's your job. Um, you know, if you're playing hockey, how often do you hear somebody go, "I'm going to work on shooting because I miss the net all the time." Uh, never really. 
Never. Yeah. But, I mean, for a hockey stick, to hit a net is not crazy, crazy hard, mm-hmm. right? No. Especially not given the distances you'd shoot from. Yeah. That's true. Um, how many times do you miss passes? But then you don't go work on your passes. It's I just mean, like instinctual. Your coach just... is making you work on that stuff, but you don't. In your head, you're not going, oh, I need to go work on yeah. my passes all day. No, but as a golfer, you're like, I need to fix my driver. It doesn't go in play. <laughs> like, they always do those decisions. And it's like, yes, you need to fix all those components, but you're not actually paying attention to when you should be pulling the driver. Yeah. You're not pulling it at the right times. You're not making the right decisions that are going to set you up for that kind of success. Mm. Course management. I want to know just like about your day. Like today, beautiful day. What is it? May 3rd, sunny. You got the yeah. golf swag on right now. Like what does a typical day look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, depends on the year. Okay. Like time of year, I mean. Yeah. Um, winter time, I normally got the alarm set for like 4.45, get up. Um, I go down to the studio, turn on the heat. <laughs> first things first I'll normally hit a couple of shots while I'm just like after I set up the trackman I'll hit a couple of wedge shots just to make sure it's it's working properly like everything's set up good um, and then my first client I'll normally walk through the door at 5 yeah. um, and I'll be in there till 9pm wow um, and you're smiling the whole time I mean it's how, how can you not be happy you're just watching yeah. golf all day I got the masters or whatever on on certain weekends yeah. on the TV mm. if there's if it's Monday to Wednesday I'm just watching re- recaps of uh, golf on the TV but I'm I'm basically helping people get better at a game yeah. I'm playing a game all, all day every day so it's kind of fun it's a good way to put um, it. it's nice and like I mean we just took on two new coaches this year so like they're starting to build up their clientele they're getting super busy now um, but over the winter, like there was a lot of free time in the second bay we have. So like, you know, Wiggy and guys like that would come over and play sim golf in the bay next to us. We have a, like kind of an open door policy for members. So like, if you want to come hang out, come hang out. Um, Love that. if you want to sit in and watch another lesson, as long as the client's okay with it, like come on in. Um, and then we, I mean, if the other bay's open, use it. It's free practice for you. We'll charge if you book it, but if it's not booked and that bay's just open and you're in, just come in and play some good sim golf. A lot of the guys will come in, hang out. Um, we kind of have a little unwritten rule that we never really stated, but it's like bring coffees. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if you're if you're coming to hang out, bring coffees at least. Uh, so the guys sometimes you know they'll come in with food, bring sushi and stuff like that. It's awesome. That's a fair rule. Um, and then. Um, I mean, we you build some good relationships. Some of the you see some of the same guys every week, um, just coming to hang out, get some extra practice in, which is awesome. You build some good relationships, and then come summer. So like now, I started yesterday my new transition. So this week I'm setting up the range at Penn Hills, doing some organization to kind of have my coaches move back and forth from the studio to Penn Hills. So I kind of have two and a half days of the week. I'm in the studio. Two and a half days I'm at the course. Yeah. So, like, today, for an example, outside of doing this, um, <laughs> I would get up, head to the course. I normally, as we get earlier in the season, it'll open up earlier. But right now, I think the tee times start at 9. So, I'm there normally, like, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. I'll just kind of sit on the balcony, watch the Eagles over Penn Hills, oh. which is kind of awesome. Um, the best. Um, sometimes Sherry's in there, and I'll get a breakfast early or something, and... Uh, Basically, just chat with Tanner in the pro shop, head over to the range, warm up, and then hit the course with normally three or four of my clients. I'll either play with three or I just walk with four. This guy, and, I don't uh, even. <laughs> you live the life. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, man. But uh, so, like, my <laughs> yeah. my Mondays are like that anyway. So Monday, I'll I'll get up, I'll go there, I walk the course with four players, kind of basically let them ask any questions. We keep up a pace of play. Um, run them through opportunities of learning. Um, I bring one club with me in case I need to show them something. What club? Um, normally, I take an eight iron. Okay. Um, that was a great question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Great yeah, question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, just basically move them through the round, try and, like, teach them the different parts of the game, give them different opinions or, like, options to look at. Um, I always pick on my beginner golfers, so I'll use Dan as an example. Dan's been a, a great client of mine, and Austin's like, so he started coaching with Austin, and I train with him a lot now. Um, he's actually out with me today, but he uh, 
last year beginner golfer like yourself yeah. now, now he's striping the ball but uh he always wanted to pull his five wood out of the rough and i'm like <laughs> you know one it's a club that even tour players top so why are you pulling it out of the rough um so we're on on hole two at Penn hills and he's got a terrible lie he thinks it's a good lie <laughs> um so i made a bet with him i was like look man if you pull off that shot I'll do anything. Like, whatever you want, I'll do. But I was like, if you don't, you got to call me daddy after this. So, uh, <laughs> That's the pressure. He's like, I'm going to pull it off. I'm like, no stress. And, of course, he tops it. What and up, daddy? We, we get to the next hole, and he goes, I'm sorry, papa. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's fine. That'll yeah, work. Yeah, I was like, papa will work. So now the joke is um, basically we call each other papa when we make bets and lose. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. And now you feel the pressure, too, yeah. right? Because you don't but want to call. Uh, but, I mean, Dan, Dan's playing some wicked golf. It's, it's awesome to watch him. I mean, just on the simulator alone, he started moving <clears> the scores <throat> down to, like, low, low 80s. So um, huge gains. Um but I mean, he works at it, right? Like yeah. those are the golfers that show a lot of commitment, so we give them a lot of extra commitment on the side, right? That's um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Or how much time are we at? An hour. An hour right now. Okay. One more question, dudes. You might have one too. What's one goal you're trying to work on right now to improve this summer? So, as personally, a player, just you, just like what, what's player? one thing you're trying to work on to get better? Um. Honestly, boundaries. <laughs> okay. Uh, as a coach, like I mean, you. You heard my schedule. I get up at five and then I go I work till nine. I'm really trying to set a schedule that I can have more time for my family and more mm. time for my own practice. So I'm trying to really stick to my like firm schedule, but I'm really bad at it. Like I feel guilty if I can't get a client in. Mm-hmm. So like trying to do it all. If somebody messages me and they're like, "Any availability?" It's really hard for me to say no. Yeah. When there's not, um, so I'll be like, "Yeah, why don't you come at eight? Why don't you come up seven? And then I'm working my way back to those 5 a.m.s all the time. So um, those ones are really tough. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to work on that. And then also, I mean, being a coach on the course. So, like, boundaries are a big one. It's it's a wide uh, area. But when I'm on the course playing my own game and working on my own game, but a client's on the tee time, I'm still kind of focused on them. And I got I to gotta set that boundary to focus on me. Um, it's a great answer mm-hmm. yeah so boundaries are a big one uh simon and i work on that a lot for myself um like i'm not a client of his but where we are affiliated i ask him a ton of questions and he always offers some some advice um but he's um i mean he's he's the guru at it basically he, he teaches me everything i need to do to try and help me keep in that good mindset and uh it, it's cool um i'm really bad for you know i gotta right back to a client on my phone right away. I don't want to miss it. I want to make, sure, make sure that they feel valued. And uh, he's like, just put your phone in the car for, for four hours, man. You'll be okay. <laughs> um, and it's hard for me to do that right now. So I'm, I'm really trying to set that boundary. So that, that's a big one for me. Awesome. Dudes, yeah. you got one to end? No, man. I uh, I asked him all my three right. allotted questions. <laughs> His next ones are in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a whole list of stuff. Well, you guys are going to the same place, Penn Hills. Yeah, there right. you go. It's my yeah, hometown. Penn Hills greatest golf course around man. i love it's it a lot of fun yeah. the eagles like when you said the coffee and the so eagles sweet. and oh. yeah what was the lady's name to get the coffee? she sherry. gave me a free coffee the other day shout out to sherry thank sherry. you very much sherry's sherry. incredible the, the whole the whole staff there honestly yeah man, great they're they really took us in like we feel like family there and uh i mean it's like you know what wiggy's like yep. too right yeah. like they're it doesn't matter whether it's maintenance restaurant yeah. pro shop they're all yeah first class like, yeah. yeah it's one of the best memberships you can get in my opinion and then the Grass range, win-win. That's why I got a membership this year because of the best, man. It is a family feel, and I don't think there's a person that goes there that doesn't have that feeling. I really don't. No, like everybody, you get the vibe. You can talk to anyone, and it's it's, it's great, yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for being here. It was a great time. We hope to see you out on the greens, the fairways, the the, maybe not the bunkers, but we'll we'll see you out there, and hopefully we can get uh, a couple rounds in together. We'll pick your brain a bit more. Yeah, come to the studio. Yeah, definitely. Screening, too, and if you guys want to bring the cameras, I'll – Pick you apart. Love oh it. God! Do you want to want to plug your, your social media and stuff for Whole Nine? Yeah. So uh, I mean, at Whole Nine Golf or uh, myself at D McNamara PGA. Um, if you guys want to have a look on Instagram, that's where most of our stuffs at. And uh, I mean, on my feed, I share a lot of different content with my clients, some stuff of myself, and then on Whole Nine Golf, we 
kind of share the business process. So yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone listening, thank you very much uh, for tuning in. Tuesday, have fun, work hard, hit the greens, have fun, work hard. Like I just said, we're out. Peace. Peace. I'm